Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I would like to welcome all our listeners to the 100th episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. And joining me today is my regular co-host, Giri. Hello, Giri. Hi, Ajit. Glad we could join uh, for our 100th episode. And when you said uh, regular co-host, I have been, to be honest, very irregular these days. <laughs> so I don't think I can... Uh, uh, I can be called a regular host anymore. Uh, but otherwise, how, how have you been? Well, uh, mostly keeping to myself these days uh, because of the COVID situation as is in the Netherlands. Mm. So we've all gone into a lockdown. And as a result, uh, in order to keep it uh, a bit easy, uh, we are back to how things were in March, at least for the next uh, foreseeable two to three weeks, let's say. So uh, we just go out when we absolutely have to do some shopping, right? Mm-hmm. Apart from that, uh, yeah, things are fine from work and other perspective, it's fine. But uh, all our, let's say, winter time sport activities have been cut off. We used to train a little indoors uh, and all of that has been cut off. Uh, what about you? How have you been? Uh, pretty much the same, you know, locked inside. Well, not actually locked, but I can still go out and do a few things. But it's not the same. Uh, it was, uh, let's say, a year ago. <laughs> we keep going back to that and we always keep questioning when the normal situation will return. But it seems to be slipping away from us yet again, uh, thanks to those increasing numbers here. In mainland Europe, I think it's been uh, going up ever since the summer holidays. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even touched winter, so it could it would even in, even increase. Um, unless the vaccine <laughs> is out. Uh, that's another story. I'm not going to discuss uh, the vaccine situation. I think we should all keep our fingers crossed and then pray that there is something which can stop the flow or stop the spread of this virus. Mm-hmm. I think I told you, right? So I tried my hand at cricket during right. the summer, summer months, mm-hmm. and I broke a finger again. Of course. <laughs> just like last year. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah. last year. So last time it was a middle finger and this time it was a ring finger. So, uh, But I have recovered from that. Uh, but uh, there isn't much sport to be played. So like you said, so pretty much everything has come to a standstill. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't see <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even know how long this tunnel will uh, keep going. So, But anyway, on the bright side, Yen Guru Samachara, RCB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for, for, I think after a long time, I think maybe three or four years, mm-hmm. everything seems to be coming together uh, for RCB. Uh, what do you think? I mean, do you think their balance has shifted now that their bowling unit has strengthened a bit? Or do you still think it's because the other teams are not playing, playing so well? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a combination of all of the things you said. So uh, the my my um, yeah my feeling is, I think it's a change in the mindset. I would like to give a little bit of credit here to Simon Katich and uh, Mike Hessen, the backroom staff, right? Uh, mm. Look, they always had good bowlers. They ran people like uh, Mitchell Stark into the ground, right? So um, it was never about the personnel. 
it was about uh, how these personnel went about and executed their skills so mm. i think we see a little bit of a difference and uh, as i said earlier in the, in the native language kannada long may it continue because they have actually done enough and more previously and lost in the finals so they are twice finalists as well no? so yeah. we really hope if this time they are able to go all the way because things look good and so maybe we look, take a look at the table at a little later on but you know yeah. while we are talking about uh, ipl i think we should first discuss today's uh, incredible games so i think you followed the last game the 36th uh, game of this season's ipl the double super over game between kings 11 punjab and uh, mumbai indians kiri what are your thoughts on that what a game man what a game i think i never thought playing cricket in the middle east uh towards the fag end of the summer in such hot conditions would uh, bring about such, such kind of entertainment i think it has been a very entertaining ipl i've been following only a few games here and there some of the games uh, from rcb uh, of course i i cannot stop talking about rcb for some reason i've never been so happy <laughs> about rcb because they've been playing away from chinnaswamy stadium anyway let's uh, let's look at the game that uh, was played a few minutes ago i mean i think it concluded like uh an hour and a half before we started recording this in dubai um the the very strange looking stadium which doesn't have tower lights you know so i think it's it's uh, it was a fantastic game uh which uh, which basically had to be settled uh on the back of a second super over uh, right. incredible right incredible mumbai indians i think they they played really well uh i think it was not such a bad total in the end 176 for 6 which they scored but uh, i think full credit must go to uh, kings 11 because they, it seemed like they were going to win i think i i managed to follow it ball by ball maybe towards the end of their batting innings kings 11's batting innings and they didn't they needed something like 22 runs in two overs or 20 odd runs in two overs and then they were left with nine in the last over i think trent bowled bowled a fantastic last over he bowled wonderful yorkers one of which you know took the inside edge and then went for four uh, to mm-hmm. the final leg boundary uh, off the bat of chris jordan but apart from that they, they bowled really well towards the end i think the 18th over by bumrah was also fantastic they lost rahul um in that over i think rahul was batting so well he was 77 he was pretty much you know willing to take his team home <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, his team having faltered on so many occasions um and the super over was not definitely was definitely not on their minds anyway they lost the very first super over match they played against delhi capitals let's all remember that and mayank agarwal threw it away you know <laughs> basically and it unfortunately ended up being another super over and then i think kl rahul and uh, who was the other guy uh, nicolas puran i think they came out to bat and puran uh, got a leading edge he was caught short third man mm. uh, and rahul also was out in the uh, you know at the last ball uh, of that super over by bumrah and there were only five runs you know they scored only five runs in that super over and that was pretty i think five runs is absolutely nothing mm-hmm. i think five runs um you you cannot expect to defend five runs and yet they managed to defend shami bowled a very good over they were also a bit lucky i think uh, rohit sharma and quinted a cock could not manage to score that elusive boundary they could have finished it off with one big shot for some reason they were trying to play safe shots like ones and twos 
um, and um, Kings Eleven, I think, stuck to their guns and then finally managed to. Uh, I think KL Rahul uh, brilliantly ran out uh, Quinton de Kock, a la uh, Mahendra Singh Dhoni, you know, flinging the ball towards the stumps mm-hmm. and uh, the ball uh, hitting the stumps with uh, de Kock just caught short of the crease. In the end, I think we needed another super over. And then the second super over was even more brilliant because we had uh, the big uh, uh, fridge, as you call him, Ajit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyron Pollard, right. the big unit. Yeah. He came and he tried to smash everything, but he couldn't. I think he only got a one boundary. Um, they scored something like 11 runs. And Kings 11 needed 12 to uh, seal the match. And then out came uh, the magnificent beast, Universe Boss. He smacked a six of the first ball of Trent Balls uh, over. And then uh, I think that pretty much settled the game. Uh, Mayan mm-hmm. Kagar while hitting a couple of boundaries. But yeah, I think once Chris Gale uh, hit that six of the first ball, it turned the tide completely in uh, favor of uh, King Sylvan. I think Gale, Rahul and Anil Kumble, Anil Kumble having celebrated his birthday, I think yesterday he turned 50, 50 years. Indeed. Congratulations to him. Best wishes. Um, they, I think they were very exasperated towards the end. They couldn't have another, you know, close finish. They had only won two two matches, both of which uh, was played against uh, RCB, right? So this is their third win, a welcome win, and they have finally left that position at the bottom of the table. They are now joint, <laughs> joint fifth, if you may call that, right. uh, with four teams stuck at six points: Sunrisers, Kings Eleven, CSK, and uh, Rajasthan Royals. So. I think it's it's a very closely uh, fought contest between the bottom four teams now. So, well, indeed. Uh, look, if I have to talk of the you know some points that I noticed in this game, uh, all the points that were relevant as far as the super over goes, you very succinctly summarized them. But when it came to how Mumbai set up their total, uh, we must give a lot of credit to Kyron Pollard because look, um, they were nowhere near getting you know one seventy six. Uh, even when Quentin de Kock got out, there were 21 balls left in the game and the score was 119. So from there in the 21 balls remaining to come to 176 itself was already an achievement. Because I had predicted somewhere like 155 or 160 would be the ta- target. They went well beyond that, thanks to both Kyron Pollard and Nathan Coulter. Nile, it must be said. He also batted magnificently. But Pollard batted so well that that completely was dwarfed that Nathan Coulter Nile was actually scoring at 200. Right? And then the way Kings Eleven started, again, uh, Gale may have gotten out and Puran as well, but each of them did their bit. So up until the time um, KL Rahul got out, the only guy that really failed was Glenn Maxwell trying something extravagant too soon. But that way, he had managed to keep the required run rate under 10. So I remember uh, tweeting, in the 12th over or in the 13th over of their chase, this was the first time in all the chases of the recent games where a chasing team's required run rate was less than 10 even after the 12th or the 13th over. Until then, every team had at least 10 and over. So, they were still only requiring 9 and over. From there, even after he got out, even up until the last over, they were in having any ma- manageable run rates. Even in the last over, Trent Ball defended 8 or 9, if I'm not wrong. So, he did a fantastic job there. There, because he had a very bad game, it must be said he did well to give only 8. So, they were chasing 9. So, he gave mm-hmm. only 8. So, it was 3 overs 40 yeah, for him. But Trent Ball standards, that was ridiculous. But he still got the game and uh, he saved it as far as his team is concerned. And Jordan was lucky to get that entire uh, four. 
and Huda was lucky that the catch got dropped. You can always look <laughs> at it the other way and say Huda's catch could have gone to a boundary and that could have been that, right? So that's not how these things work. But the rest, I would say, they stuck in really well. You know, in spite of just having to defend five, I think Mohammad Shami delivered probably one of the best super overs that I have seen. Absolutely everything in the block hole, in and around the same, you know, uh, wide of the crease or right hitting the leg stump, so on and so forth. So that was really good. And in the second super over, again, I think, you know, the bowlers from Kings Eleven's side, the bowler from Kings Eleven's side did a very, very good job there. Restricting, as you said, uh, always restricting uh, Pollard from sort of freeing his hands. And when it came their turn to bat, surely Chris Gale had to say something in this whole game. So <laughs> he's been sort of waiting in the wings long enough. In the previous game as well, he took his time but completed a 50. And they stuttered and stumbled but somehow finished that game as well against RCB, right? In this game, he had yeah. to put his stamp on it. That was that ball. The moment he walked out, I told my roommate, I remember, that, you know what? He's going to do something. He's going to win this game for Kings Eleven. He very nearly did. And of course, Mayank Agarwal was there and you know, with his finesse and his classy shot making. Two clean shots, fours, all done. Right? They totally deserve it. It should not have been this difficult, is going to be what I'm going to say. When it comes to, I think, uh, from a table perspective, look, they have very less chance. It's only a theoretical chance. Is what between them, Kings 11, uh, CSK, and RR, they have what is called a theoretical chance. I dare say, with today's loss, SRH have also come to the same category. So if you look at the earlier match, in the 35th game of this uh, season's IPL, so in this case, it was again another super over. You know, uh, enough people said it on Twitter. Uh, is this a really scripted reality? It looks too good to be true. But apparently, there has been one other game in international or in non T20 cricket where both the teams, there were a doubleheader T20 in South Africa. And it was a, both the games had a super over. So apparently, it's known to happen. But still, this was very, very incredible that there were two super overs. And in fact, it turned out to be three in the end, right? That was crazy. So in any case, if you were to take a quick look at what happened in the earlier game, I think Sunrisers Hyderabad will uh, feel really, really hard done by because um, they had a very tough chase, it must be said, right? So having restricted Kings, uh, sorry, Kolkata Knight Riders to just uh, 163 for five, they should have been very happy because even that was very, you know, at the end, the last three overs, uh, the way Morgan and Karthik played brought them to 163. Otherwise, I was again thinking 155, 150 even. Right? I think Basil Tampi went for a few in the end. Natarajan, who's usually very parsimonious, went for a few. And there you go. They got a very big total there. But then the way Johnny Bairstow and Kane Williamson, almost a limping Kane Williamson started, you would think, again, um, they were being doing really well. Even at the time, Johnny Bairstow got out. They were matching the run rate. But then, you know, those two, those two very crucial blows that Ferguson landed. So I was also sort of tweeting, why is Ferguson not taking the new ball? It's clear. He's used as a middle overs enforcer and he did his role to a perfection here. You know, taking 3 for 15 in 4 overs. But more importantly, he took out two top order batsmen, Priyam Garg and Manish Pandey, both bowled, both really, really good balls. In fact, the ball Manish Pandey got would have gotten, I would say, 99 out of 100 cricketers out there. That was so good a ball, so good a fast yarker. And, you know, after that, in spite of, you know, uh, sort of not giving up, I would say a lot of credit to both David Warner, who dropped himself down the order, and Abdul Samad, who took them all the way there. And I think with one ball, two runs to get, probably Warner would feel a little hard done by because that would have finished the game then and there, right? That, that was the first chance they let go. And then when it came to the super over, it was always going to be, you know, there is a little bit of a coin toss when it comes to the super over. And there, I, I would say they were a bit unlucky as well. Right, So, you knew who would be bowling the super over. It would be Lockie Ferguson. Again, he bowled that 
pinpoint slower ball yorker that cleaned up one batsman and the other one the first ball of the super over that was a pinpoint accurate just short of length ball that was targeting the top of off that's one of the toughest balls to play in cricket that took warner out so ferguson really won the game as far as kkr is concerned and he's been proving that so you know it's like people who are waiting on the bench will want to perform like this to take the game away from them and win the game so comfortably that they dare not be dropped you know so i would say with this loss knowing that they had to just get two runs off the last ball to take the victory i think srh will be very very disappointed because as you were telling me off the air had srh won this game then them and kkr would have had eight points each at the end of nine games and that would have probably also thrown a lifeline to the other teams below them the moment mm-hmm. they lost this game you would more or less say from this point on kkr are favorites to finish fourth rcb mi and dc will take the other three spots so i don't see this table changing too much i don't see any last minute unheard of upsets let me put it like this and hmm. we are probably sure this will be the four teams that will go to the qualifiers giri do you have a different opinion maybe i'm still not sure if uh, kkr are kicking on all cylinders firing on all cylinders i mean mm-hmm. but it's very promising to see that you know they have a fast bowler like lockie ferguson uh, who took on the responsibility and uh, finished the job for them today mm-hmm. uh, i think they have a fantastic fast bowling lineup i think the other thing i noticed with this ipl is lot of the teams have very good fast bowlers you know you consider right. uh, uh, delhi capitals they have, <laughs> they have supreme firepower at their disposal with uh, kahi sorabada and uh, anrich uh, norkia uh, right so those two guys and then that uh, the other guy tushar uh, deshpande and then mumbai indians of course have uh, bumrah and trent bolt and uh, royal challengers have dale stein uh, navdeep saini chris morris can also bowl the heavy ball Mm-hmm. and then kolkata night riders of course have pat cummins on the two youngsters you know uh, shivam mavi and uh, kamlesh nagarkoti indeed and then this guy uh, who just joined them today lockie ferguson the new zealander right, right. Uh, right so they have the, these four teams i if i look at them they have such good fast bowlers they also have a very good spin uh, bowling attack but it's very strange that in the desert the fast bowlers are doing so well and if you look at the uh, the number of wickets or the purple cap uh that is currently with is uh, you know it's kahiswarabada and i think he is way ahead of everybody i think he has something like close to 20 wickets mm-hmm. uh and the next guy behind him must be uh, chahal, i think actually. yeah it, it is chahal yeah so you, yeah. you see a fast bowler doing so well and i'm so happy to see that to be honest mm-hmm. um so if you look at the other teams i think they lack this especially chennai chennai mm-hmm. super kings mm-hmm. are doing they're languishing there at the bottom of the table uh i i don't know i mean i think they with suresh raina and harbhajan singh not being part of the lineup uh mm-hmm. having uh, stay, stayed behind i think they look such a toothless uh, attack unfortunately i mean uh, i really like mahendra singh dhoni and his captaincy but i think maybe things are not working out so well for them uh, people called them dad's army a couple of seasons ago when they won it of course mm-hmm. but now i think they're really getting old uh they might want to look at more youngsters but anyway coming back to your original question of uh, whether the any of the other teams have a chance i think it's looking more and more difficult although the only other team that could make uh, that could be on their way up if they persisted and if kkr uh, you know suddenly slipped down the table 
would be sunrisers i think sunrisers have the most amount of uh, potential to go up there kings 11 it's you know people call it rcb sec- rcb b team or something like that right so it has more players from karnataka than <laughs> there are in uh, this rcb team uh, it's it's also nice to see somebody like uh, rahul and uh, mayank agarwal both karnataka players karun nair of course did not play today uh, and anil kumble being the coach of that so it it would be nice to see them also you know go up the table but i think it's very difficult they have lost too many matches because of their death bowling and it's looking to be the same just like what happened today right so yeah i think touchwood rcb will qualify for playoffs if not uh, claim the top spot i think they're pretty good but i think delhi capitals are way good this time i think they're extremely good ricky ponting and shreyas iyer have forged such a nice partnership mm-hmm. uh, i think they will i mean i dare say they have a very good chance of winning this year's ipl mm-hmm. mumbai have been past champions so they they have the experience of you know and, and the nows and the uh, the 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 expertise that uh, jayawardana brings but i think they 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 will feel threatened by uh, delhi capitals they are pretty good today uh, the, the, uh, well this season anyway so okay. it's it's a i mean i never thought i would be so enthusiastic about ipl but here i am talking so uh, uh, so fervently about this ipl uh, because there is no cricket around right we we really hope that test cricket comes back with uh, india touring uh, australia mm-hmm. but until then we have to uh, enjoy whatever cricket there is and i don't i don't care i mean if there is any kind of cricket i'll go and watch wherever okay. it is available so you hit the nail on the head we are indeed uh, at a place where you know uh, i would normally not watch the ipl ipl at all until about this point in time right <laughs> now i'm waiting for every game to begin desperately so i think as cricket fans we are so starved of you know action uh, we will take even the ipl and it must be said this year after probably the first two seasons having a chance to follow every game of ipl closely i'm falling back in love with ipl right and i can completely understand the fan following the fervor that it attracts and you know the die hard nature of the fandom that is associated with ipl therefore i i perfectly understand and i you know i can probably also become a die hard fan in the upcoming days you know <laughs> given if rcb are going the same way they are god willing here here so, yeah in this yeah. case uh, all this is fine but when we were to just quick take a quick look at some of the other highlights this week yesterday's game you know finally dhawan managed to get 100 and somehow one for once dhoni did not have his best bowler available dj bravo being injured and sitting out and unfortunately jadeja had to take over the duty of the last over and in spite of requiring a lot of runs i think akshar patel it must be said has gone to the next level right he's doing so well that uh, he could keep both kohli and dhoni quiet and he bowls regularly in the super over and uh, sorry regularly in the power play as well as he is able to hit clean hits at least in yesterday's game he eclipsed jadeja comfortably right in both the skill sets and um, that was one highlight for me shikhar dhawan getting to 100 and delhi capitals again winning from a very very tough situations that's why they look more and more like champions to me and again mumbai because of how tough they made it for kings 11 and not giving up these two are definitely the teams that are still favorites rcb are third you know we'll come to that but um, the other thing finally you know in that game versus uh, rajasthan royals we got another uh, splendid splendid example of what uh, certain abd villiers can do 
I mean, there was no way that game was going to be won by RCB. We knew, oh God, this is going to be another one of those, right? But then this guy and Gurkirat Singh himself, they they sort of kept kept pace, and Gurkirat Singh finally, you know, understood all he has to do is uh, give the strike, and where required, hit up four or six, and which he did very nicely in the end. And everybody else did his magic, and nobody was spared, right? Jafar Acher was not spared. Jaydev Unadkar, we don't have to talk about it, right? Kartik okay. Tiagi. Everybody went for runs, but I mean, I think there were, there have been a small tactical blunder there by Steven Smith, who I find it tough for him to believe that usually the best bowler in the team bowls the 19th over, given he has an over left. In this case, Archer had an over left. So if he truly believes that Unadkat is better than Archer as a T20 bowler, I don't know because he bowled Unadkat uh, in the 19th over, and that was sort of where you know. Um, ABD will have that moment. That's another mm-hmm. small highlight as far as I'm concerned. So all of these were very, very, very enthralling or enthralling games. So it's very tough to take your eyes off it. So yeah. even in the last game, which I already covered, where Kings XI Punjab somehow don't want to win the game. Even in the last hour requiring two runs with a spinner bowling, nobody's ready to hit out. And they have eight wickets in hand. I don't know what was going on there. But finally, in the last ball, Puran said, yeah, you know, screw this. And stepped out and clearly hit it for a six. Right, and to yeah. take that ball to the last ball, match mm. the last ball was yeah, not yeah. acceptable at all in any case. But anyway, that's a long story yeah. for another day. Yeah. But you talking know, about Rajasthan Royals and uh, RCB in that match yesterday uh, mm-hmm. with ABD stealing uh, the show, right. I think Rajasthan Royals had a very good chance of running him out. You remember oh. he was well short of his crease. Right, it right, was. Right. If mm. the throw had been accurate, I don't, I don't know who the fielder was. Mm-hmm. um i think they missed a run out opportunity and he was not yet uh you know he had not yet started hitting all those big shots mm-hmm. uh, so i think i don't know what is happening with rajasthan royals because ben stokes is also back now uh, and he was not able to you know provide that momentum at the top of the order with the bat and i think he's also injured so he can't bowl so well um, and he looked very low on energy and that is very very uh unreal i mean that's that's not common with ben stokes with ben stokes he always see a lot of energy and didn't seem Correct. to be the case maybe he's still you know going through certain uh, uh, emotional stuff in his mind so let's hope that he comes back and then performs like he always does uh, when mm-hmm. he's playing uh, cricket right um, mm-hmm. it remains one of those tough questions to be answered it's never easy especially if you have an ailing parent in another part of the world uh, it's it's never easy your focus is not always 100% on the times or the things that you're doing but of course he's a professional and i'm sure he'll discover his mojo and he'll come back i mean the best way is to actually go out and smash a few balls right so i'm sure that will be seen shortly as well so now if you were to take a look at some of the you know covid-19 related news so we have just come to know that the 2021 uh, women's world cup under 19 women's world cup that was scheduled to be held in bangladesh is most likely going to be postponed this is another big you know world cup world level tournament that's being postponed due to covid it's to be expected but you know it's never a nice thing when a asian country gets a chance to host a world cup that to beat an under 19 one it's still a very unfortunate thing that it's been postponed so it's always a bit of a problem and uh, we hope you know that they will actually postpone it to maybe 2022 and it can be held again in bangladesh only the opportunity to be held uh, like the, the way they did it the opportunity to hold this tournament should still be given 
to bangladesh and maybe postponed by a year or so because that part of the world needs to see women's cricket and beat at under 19 level it's very important and that means they'll have more exposure and that will always inspire more women in that country and that part of the world to take up cricket so that's important so we really hope you know the right sort of a decision is reached i don't know if you also read this the domestic season in india will begin from 1st january there are a lot of ifs and buts there so nothing is set in stone ganguly has uh, come out with an announcement that they'll have a shortened uh, ranji trophy and they have also a lot of plans when it comes to junior and women's cricket tournaments so they have some elaborate plans that have, they are currently working out with the different boards so we really hope you know the ranji trophy will start and then between march and april the relevant other tournaments will start you know the sayed mushtaq ali trophy the the other trophy all the other trophies will also start right but will they play at biosecure venues uh, or will there be designated grounds where teams will play or will they still play home and away no i think there will be uh, designated grounds and maybe like for example puducherry which normally doesn't host a whole lot of games but has a very low count when it comes to covid and has six grounds might be one of six the, grounds okay six grounds so might might be one of the venues you know you are our uh, vinay kumar is a the captain there right <laughs> Oh, okay, no, I forgot. Yeah, he, I think he plays for Puducherry now. He has Excellent. abandoned. He has deserted Karnataka, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> That's probably not the word I would use, but no, nonetheless, no. he's a journeyman professional, right? Uh, so that's a good news and we'll keep an eye on this so we'll really see if they'll do the same plate groups elite group or they'll probably combine something more reduce the number of games all of this is yet to be announced nonetheless uh, we are not looking to reduce the um, let's say or let go an entire season without uh, first class cricket that's very important and that's good news always and um, you know uh, in a sort of unfortunate event in the ongoing national t20 cup so there are a couple of news that have come out of it both of which are not very good to hear first one is that um, you know nine players have broken the protocol the covid 19 protocols that were enforced around the tournament so this these nine players actually involve also three nationally contracted players or international players who have represented pakistan so you know these uh, 12 people would be picked up they would be tested they were then reintroduced back into the pool it's actually reaching its uh, conclusion the tournament i think the finalists have been identified so maybe in one of the upcoming episodes we will have a quick summary of that but uh, it looks like at least the pakistan management was very very unhappy nadeem khan who was the director of pakistan's high performance center and in charge of these sort of activities was really, really unhappy he said that's not something that you can expect this is one not so nice news you can hear the other one a player from this league the national tournament league has actually come out and reported that he had a corrupt approach right so this is also another uh, not so nice news to hear and uh, it looks like um, he's not a nationally contracted player uh, but nonetheless there was an approach made to him for throwing a game away and the details are not known yet so even in a local uh, tournament uh, people would still like to bet and uh, you know we keep hearing this sort of news uh, when it comes to ipl bangalore police have arrested another person in relation to this sort of betting so we know this is rife and in one of the recent episodes i expressed my opinion on it so i'll not go into that again in when it comes to you know some of the other news from the cricketing world so in a very major news misbaul haq has finally you know i think uh, this is my opinion i'll uh, say it later but at least he's decided to step down as the chief selector at the end of this year's pakistan's new zealand tour So New Zealand are slated to play a tour of New Zealand end of this year and beginning of January next year. And the moment they are done with that tour, he has decided to step down as the chief selector. So this is sort of a very, let's say, a prudent move. He's always a very prudent man. He likes a bit of control, no doubt. But uh, I think 
behind the scenes giri i think they would have always discussed let's take it on a provisionally provisionary mm. manner you can keep it for 6 months and if it doesn't work out you can always give it to somebody else what do you think mm-hmm. i think it may also have been down to that uh, new ratification by the pcb's uh, code of ethics mm-hmm. uh, i think in july they announced that they, they, i think there were some some new things that were announced which may have contributed him towards taking this decision like you know conflict of interest and uh, sort of uh, things because you you cannot be a chief selector and also be a coach i think it for me it was already surprising that this st- started out with him like that uh, but at least he has a more focus now so he can uh, he can be a good coach i think he is already a good coach and i wonder who the chief selector will be now so probably out in the open again so then there will be a tussle of course between the chief selector and the head coach like we had exactly. with inzamam and uh, <laughs> right so it keeps happening anyway it's, it's i think politics is everywhere mm-hmm. but what happens or what comes out of it and if it's for the better of cricket mm-hmm. uh, whether it's pakistan or international cricket for that matter right. that would be nice so mm-hmm. let's hope that things uh, <laughs> get better for everybody everywhere indeed now it remains to be seen how it will go and who will be appointed as a chief selector and whether they'll have a very good working relationship or not right with misba nonetheless it's it's a good development that you know the chief selector's role is now going to be separated from that of a head coach mm. and that means each can concentrate on their own jobs because look there are also some basic requirements that your chief selector should be in a position to watch a lot of games should be able to travel around the country pay some mm. attention to those high level yeah. cricket that's going on to identify the upcoming talent or at least keep a pipeline going where by at least you have 15 or 20 that can always play in the highest levels can be identified and kept kept their eye on so yeah, it's a long story but we really hope it will come good and uh, you know this is one thing the next important news is that the icc deadline for filing nominations for the chairperson's role is 18th october so finally icc have finally found a way we don't know what the inner wranglings are but at least they have finally set a date it's today in fact right so that all the deadlines for the icc presidents nominees should be in place by today to to actually be nominate yourself as a you know icc president or a chairman you should have backing of at least one board member that's the requirement i'm all in favor of having a neutral board member who's not from the big 3 but also not from any other nation but it's a time to give a neutral board member a chance to be the chairman but also if not maybe somebody from the big three should not be the chairperson somebody who can still safeguard the let's say the small man or the smaller partners uh, interest should be there and i wouldn't mind if somebody from south africa or west indies or somebody take it over except uh, the former the former wicb chairman so i'll not go into that too much this is one thing when it comes to sort of you know politics at the very high level it's been brewing for the couple of months now it looks like government intervention is more or less imminent when it comes to south africa cricket so the sports minister has given notice to the uh, icc that there will be some government intervention as far as cricket south africa is concerned the olympic committee for south africa has already told css board to give up their positions this happened already a whole month back nobody took notice of it now it looks like somebody from the government is going to step in and this doesn't it has never sat well with icc we know this they want the cricket to be held let's say independently from government intervention but it's never that black and white because we know bcci takes directives from the indian government the chief patron of the pcb is always the prime minister of pakistan so these things are never black and white so especially in some countries it's always there is a little bit of control or we know how much intervention sometimes is 
uh, seen in Sri Lanka when it comes to cricket from the government. So there are plenty of such news. So not going into that too detail. Uh, we really hope this doesn't damage South Africa's cricket very uh, deeply because they have a couple of good tours that they will have. They will host in the upcoming their summer, and then they have also mm-hmm. some good uh, tours planned early next year. All will go ahead given COVID, uh, you know, sort of abates. So we are really waiting to see how this goes. Going further, if you were to take a look at some of the more important news, Umar Gul, uh, a very good Pakistani fast bowler of yesteryears. I shouldn't say yesteryears, less than a decade ago, he was a very big part of their, uh, let's say, arsenal of fast bowling, has decided to hang up his boots. So when it comes to Umar Gul, any, any fond memories, Giri? Yeah, the strange super over uh, in the 2007 T20 World Cup. You remember that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, he missed <laughs> hitting the stumps. I think they had a different concept of a super over back then. Um, so you had a bowler bowling with the stumps, and then how many number of times you would hit the stumps would be taken in, like you know, scoring goals in a penalty shootout in football. And he missed. <laughs> Robin Utapa uh, hit the stumps. He was one of the other guys. I think him and uh, Shahid Afriti, both of them missed. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So so I, that's his. That that's one of uh, his memories that I have. Yeah, it's 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 strange. I think I don't know how old he is. Maybe in his mid thirties. Right now he's thirty, right? thirty six, thirty seven, I think. Okay. And uh, you know he also represented uh, his team in uh, the ongoing National T Twenty Cup of Pakistan. And once they were eliminated, he decided to hang up his boots. I think there were a lot of injuries in the last mm-hmm. three to four years of his career. He was plagued by injuries. Therefore, he couldn't make any successful comebacks into the team since. 2016 and by then Pakistan had moved on but I would like to just give him credit because he was yeah. sort of one of the forces when it came to T20s early uh, earlier so for example 2007 and 2009 T20 World Cup he was the leading wicket taker as far as Pakistan was concerned and when you know they lost Amir and Asif he stepped in and started becoming the let's say the lead bowler right both in tests and one day but then that took a toll on his body and as a result he, his, his probably his career would have been a bit longer if he had been always the second bowler or the second strike bowler. And uh, because he had to take over the load, it's something like what you can say in, when it comes to um, Srinath in India and yeah. so on. But yeah. it, it probably took a bit of a toll on his body and he started having back and ankle issues and so on. And he could really not really make a place for himself and he sort of faded away. And this is a good time to bring a career down as far as, a, you know, 36 is a old enough age as a fast bowler, I guess. So, yeah, we would like to congratulate Umar Gul on a very good career and also wish him best of luck going further with the rest of his life and his second innings. Now, the last of the news that we would like to discuss today, let's go one more and then we'll do the last one. So, New Zealand's uh, first test-winning captain, John Reid, has died at 92. So, he he was a real giant of the sport when it came to New Zealand and he won uh, the first ever test match. New Zealand won that was after a 36-year period only, right? of 36 years of playing tests. They won their first test match. So, he, he has a lot of other records as well and he did well. So, let's not go, in, go into that too in detail, but he was a thorough cricketer. Also, he was completely involved. He was a sports administrator. He, he was a chief selector. He was an ICC match referee. He's done it all. And he's moved on at 92. So, we would like to offer our condolences to, to his family and friends. And we also, you know, uh, we will always fondly remember John Reid for his contributions to New Zealand cricket, no doubt. So the last piece of news that we would like to discuss is that it's a big one, actually. So ECB has actually revealed that they are actually discussing with the Pakistan Cricket Board for a short three-match T20 tour of Pakistan in Jan, Feb 2021, Giri. This is the first time England are planning a tour of Pakistan in 15 years. 
and usually one of the big three comes it brings all the you know all the benefits that it has and of course it opens the door for many many other teams as well so from an impact perspective and yeah feasibility is something we'll discuss later but if this were to go ahead what sort of impact do you think it will have on pakistan cricket or cricket returning to pakistan i think international cricket returning to pakistan already had an impact i think uh, the series against uh, wasn't that against sri lanka uh, earlier this year mm-hmm. right so it already had an impact and people came out came out in uh, scores and you know to watch the match um, and i think pakistani cricketing public anyway cricket fans in general they were, they have been deprived of domestic cricket well not domestic cricket per se but uh, international cricket being played at domestic venues so they have not been able to watch their international players play in home conditions they've always been playing in the middle east right so so this is the best opportunity for their local uh, uh, population to come and watch and of course that will have a huge impact uh, in terms of economy i think uh, it it will bring a lot of money in uh, television revenue you know endorsements advertisements all those things mm-hmm. but more importantly i think it will instill a lot of confidence in the other countries uh, to also make a move and uh, come and play cricket in uh, pakistan forget about all the political reasons i'm not going to get into a political debate here but it is pakistan is one of the test playing nations right so every country plays test cricket in its home conditions and pakistan is the only country that has not done that since 2009 right or they hadn't done it yet anyway so if this were to be true and a big team like england comes out to play in pakistan then uh, yeah it will open the door even if it's a small opening i think uh, more people more teams will consider coming in but let's hope that you know the covid situation um, also is under control but then and uh, yeah i think we have not seen cricket being played in pakistan home conditions so we have forgotten how their you know pitches behave uh, you remember karachi you remember the uh, what is it called gaddafi stadium in lahore you know those uh, stadiums they had a certain type of a pitch where cricket was played right and we've forgotten how that actually behaved we've only mm-hmm. seen one day or t20 cricket uh, pcl whatever but that doesn't represent you know real cricket so i am very curious to see if and when that goes ahead uh, but i would still be very cautious because i think uh, it might be an inclination to do that but it may not be a done deal yet they will still keep their uh you know keep keep an eye on things how things progress with uh, covid as well as with uh, the security situation over there mm-hmm. it might actually happen you know it might actually happen so that would be nice so indeed that's correct and i would say going ahead more and more and more teams get encouraged to come and play in pakistan and that's always a good thing and uh, we really hope you know pakistani public which is always a very big fan of cricket gets to see international cricketers come and play and more and more youngsters get you know encouraged by this so those are all the cricketing news now if we were to take a quick look at the trivia section so we had previously asked a trivia question in the 97th episode and the question was who is the first player to have scored a 100 and taken a hat trick in the same test so in all the years of international cricket it it happened i don't know more than 150 years after the inception of test cricket itself it must be said that the answer to this question is sohag ghazi from uh, bangladesh an off spinning all rounder 
who was able to achieve this very very rare feat in a test against new zealand in 2013 so the test match itself ended in a draw but uh, you know he, he was he was able to take a hat trick in the course of uh, first of all in, in the first batting innings he scored 101 for uh, bangladesh where they topped new zealand's 469 by making 501 and then in the second innings when new zealand batted he took 6 for 77 which included a hat trick so this is a great great achievement and uh, our congratulations to sohag gazi and uh, we haven't heard a whole lot of him since but uh, he's a very good bowler and uh, you know maybe he'll still come back into the team and uh, make a big uh, you know big, big impact again so the trivia question from this episode is again sort of a factoid that we took from uh, twitter so this was actually tweeted by flashcore cricket commentary on twitter so we would like to give them the credit for this so the question is which country has fielded three sets of brothers for the first time ever in an international in an international game right and who are the three sets of brothers so uh, if you look back a little bit a couple of decades even behind you you'll probably immediately notice which team it can be but then you will have to then go a little bit and dig which match it was so uh, that's the trivia question so i hope you know it is interesting enough that our listeners are able to do a bit of digging and give us an answer so the medium in which you can give an answer is always been the same you can tweet it to us at amchatcricketpod or write into us the correct answer at amchat.cricket@gmail.com you could also let us know your thoughts how the episodes are going whether you would like to see something whether you would like to not see something so on and so forth we are always open to your suggestions before we close this episode because it's the 100th episode giri i would like to say thanks to you because uh, as a co-host uh, you've always been my support and uh, you've helped me you know sometimes you get into some rut you always help me get out of it and you've kept my motivation going right so i would like to say thanks to you as my co-host and um, you know i would also like to say thanks to all our rotating you know list of co-hosts guest co-hosts we have way too many so i would like to not thank anyone in particular because i would not like to single anyone out but i would like to thank them all right so thank you for your uh, you know continued interest uh, something you want to add giri well uh, you've thanked me but i think i should thank you firstly because uh, you remember i think nearly 2 years ago towards the end of 2018 um you came up with the idea of starting a podcast because i think like me you had many other friends who you would always talk to you know invariably that conversation would lead to cricket and then you you would exchange anecdotes you know analysis on the spot right so because you follow a lot of cricket we also did you know some of your friends like me we also did but not so much on a regular basis but we have some knowledge of cricket because we played either or we have been following it very since we were very young uh but to actually turn this into a platform where we can capture all these ideas and concepts analysis whatever that was uh i think it um doesn't come easily for everybody and to do it uh for such a long period already nearly 2 years and the 100th episode like you said um uh, even when i was not there you you i already said you know i'm not a regular co-host anymore i'm a regular uh co-host but anyway uh but to do it uh, nevertheless um sustainably i think uh, hats off to you as well uh and i mean it's not just the conversation that we have during the podcast but also around the podcast whether it's about cricket or about anything even philosophical things there is always as you know uh, a nice conversation that we always have uh, i also thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity 
you know to be there uh, talking to you uh, and i've also learned a lot of things as well myself uh, from you as well as from other guest uh, uh, hosts on our uh, show so so totally enjoyable experience so far and i hope we continue doing it in the long run as well uh, even if there is covid when there is no covid doesn't matter we keep doing it thank you thanks a lot as well so we would also like to thank our bevy of fans who tweeted at us who have given us some suggestions who answered our questions from time to time so our podcast would be nothing without our fans so i would like to always thank our you know i would not call legions of fans but a large number of fans that we are able to retain and we really hope they continue to encourage us and uh, we really hope you know in the upcoming uh, few few years we can grow a bit more so let's see how things go so those are all the things having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast